Welcome to the On Garden Design podcast with Fleur and Saatchi, where we chat about what makes a garden great and try to inspire and make designing accessible to anyone who's interested in gardens, plants and chatting. Your hosts are longtime friends, Fleur and Saatchi, who bring a fresh perspective and their life experience to designing gardens as a second career. You can find us on Facebook and Insta. We'd love to have you subscribe so you know when the next episode is available. So, hi Saatchi, what are we chatting about today? Hi Fleur. Well, it's the beginning of spring and now is the time to be talking about cottage gardens because they are the thing that comes into their own in spring. Yeah, it's been a bit of a bleak winter. For those of you who aren't aware, we're in um, climate zone 9A in Canberra. (laughs) But the wonderful thing is this is not a gardening podcast, so it's applicable to anyone across the world because uh, we're talking about design and structure and... uh, we actually, this is probably a good opportunity to do a shout out to some of our listeners around the world. Yeah. Uh, and how exciting it is to have so many from the US that are listening, some UK, but also some really um, interesting little pockets around the world. Montenegro. Estonia. Taiwan. Argentina. <laughs> We're global. We are global. <laughs> so it's really fun. So thank you to all those listeners and I hope that um, you can get a lot out of these. Absolutely. So let's keep going um, because I think the cottage style is something that everyone kind of has an idea about what, you know, a cottage garden is. But really when you break it down, it's there's a lot to it. It's not quite as simple as it might appear on the surface. And I realised this when I started to look into, well, how do you structure something to be a cottage garden? But I think it'd be really useful for you to go back to a bit of history where they came from, because that kind of sets the scene almost. Yeah, yeah. The uh, So really it is a sort of a British origin type yep. of uh, thing. And uh, when we think of cottage gardens, my mind sort of goes back to pictures of like Hidcote Manor Garden, Sissinghurst, Anne Hathaway's cottage. You know, a lot of people have seen that. They got that idea. As soon as you say Anne Hathaway, I think of the Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about that Anne Hathaway. That's right. No, that's right. So we're talking of, you know, really traditional sort of English style cottage gardens. And the origin of the cottage garden was actually a peasant fed garden. So it was about functionality, practicality. So what do you mean peasant fed? What yeah. is that? So think, so a garden that feeds a peasant. Right. Because I would have thought that's like, what do they do with cornflowers and hollyhock? Pollinators. So it was all ah. about mass amounts of pollinator friendly uh, plants that intermingled with all the beauty in the cottage garden was all the edibles. Yeah, okay. So the herbs and the veggies were growing in amongst it. And so this was about getting maximum impact for feeding and the, and the peasants didn't have a lot of time to feed themselves. I was about to say, they didn't. They weren't making gardens to look pretty. That's right. It was functional. Yeah. And uh, and this was a great way, you know, in a fairly short growing season to get um, the best pollination for your veggies and, and oh, herbs. Oh, that makes a lot of sense because immediately you said, you know, it was a, fed, a peasant-fed garden. I was thinking about those random things that they used to eat back in the Middle Ages. You know when they used to put honey in offal and all that. I was thinking, gee, there's going to be some interesting uses for hollyhock here and delphiniums. <laughs> not quite, not quite. Anyway, let's keep going. So because it's interesting because how were they laid out if they were like a peasant yeah, type so gun? Yeah, so originally laid out, with very, think of very much a rectilinear block, so rectangle, fancy word for rectangle. <laughs> Let's stay. Let's stay basic here. <laughs> That's right. With a central path straight down the centre, and on either side are garden beds, and those garden beds are just mass planted. So it's just a central avenue, 
uh, and that's how it was managed. So that's where it started, but it has morphed, and it's morphed because of, say, designers like Gertrude Jekyll, you know, really synonymous with the cottage-style garden, but brought that into the bigger English country-style garden where you've got these um, reminiscent of cottage-style, these beautiful perennial borders in on a bigger scale. Uh, And so that's sort of an indication of how the origin of a cottage garden has morphed into something more grand and now we're seeing it um, interpreted in more modern styles across the world. Well, and it's interesting because when you talk about it was effectively a, a rectangular garden with a straight path, nowadays a lot of the, I guess, the commentary around um, cottage gardens talks about avoiding symmetry um, and straight lines, you know, avoiding those things and avoiding balance and too much matchy-matchy. Yeah. So really, you know, the, the feel of a cottage garden is chaotic. It's effusive. It's full. Um, and it's kind of random. Yes, and, and that's, uh, I think the romanticised version that we want to have in our gardens now. And we have this idea that they've just got this sensory profusion, there's this movement, there's um, sense, you know, in scent in terms of smell. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're really – people have to be smart if you go into yeah. there. You've got to have common sense. <laughs> <laughs> there's probably not much common sense because they're actually a little bit fussy, but we'll get into that later. I don't know. Mm. I think a cottage garden makes a lot of sense in that – in many respects, it's actually quite a low-maintenance or effort garden because there isn't a lot of clipping and pruning and shaping and structure and formality in it. Yes, it's typically unsophisticated and random and chaotic, but there's actually – to be able to design that, that actually takes a fair bit of Yeah, to make sense. it look natural. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. To make it look natural. And there's actually a real skill in that, uh, and we'll get into some of that when we talk some about the, some of the plantings. But in general, the the layout, I think it's a really good point that it started in one way, but it's morphed into this beautiful sense of flow and irregularity, organic curves, uh, and and really looking at um, setting that up. You have to start with your layout. So if you're a home gardener, uh, a cottage garden is actually a really great DIY project. It's something you can do yourself. And I think that's why we're talking about it up front is it's generally an easy style it's a great way to do a garden on a budget. It's, um, you know, you can have this wonderful colour and you can get recycled materials. You can get, you know, second hands. which are you, cheap. It's everything that you can actually create a beautiful garden cheaply. It's some of the ongoing maintenance and also the full seasonality that's going to be the challenges for you. That's right. For that season of spring and summer and part of autumn, you don't want to be seeing soil at all. Yep. It's just flowers and, and foliage and, and mass. And, and you'll have that sort of spring flush that, that starts to really fill out the bare spaces. And then summer, a lot of the really kind of taller perennials and, uh, yeah, I guess really perennials come to their own. And then um, they sort of die down. You have this sort of autumn flush. And then it all just backs back. Yeah. And winter is a really bare Zone. Very much. Yeah. That's when you see. That's when you see your layout. <laughs> see <laughs> if you got right. it right. That's yeah. exactly right. So back to our first episode where you're looking at your structure in your winter garden. Again, for a cottage garden, that's a good time to be really looking at it because a lot of your perennials, perennials have died down. And I guess um, the other thing that uh, characterises a cottage garden is very much that it has a colour theme often, and it's. I mean, th- what comes to my head is often 
the softer hues, sort of the pastel, you know, tones um, that are Pinks very and purples yeah, purples, and pale whites. yellows, buttery yeah. yellows, and creams, and that kind of thing. Very romantic. Yeah, that's right. Pastels and romantic. I know, colors. and I can hear the birds tweeting, yes. you know, and the bees buzzing already because it is very flower filled as well. It it relies a lot on on flowers, and I, I think one of the things that is important to remember is that sort of informal planting thing. There are no rows, um, you, but you do have repetition. So you have a lot of the same plants, but you don't have them in rows. Yes. And, and the idea, what you really want to achieve here is this sense that the garden has just grown to its own. It's it's kind of like, think of the secret garden, you know, yeah, that fabulous yeah, book. Yeah. Francis Burnett or something? I can't Hodgson remember. Hodgson Burnett, something. Well, anyway. You've got a better memory than me for that digging, at least. Digging really deep. Um, but uh, think of that sort of the idea that, you know, you go through this little um, almost hidden door, wooden door in the hedge and you come into this space that's just self-seeded over the years. There's just um, this sort of mass and colour and sense. A riot of colour comes to mind. Colour. That's it. <laughs> and it's just a, a magical kind of place that's really – I think this really ticks something deep in our psyche that says it's a really natural space where things just grow because they're happy there. Yes. And that's why you see a lot of the paths, rather than sort of paved paths, you might see gravel, um, you'll see cobblestones um, or bricks laid where they've got spaces between them where seeds can fall in and then you'll have a little, um, you know, it might have a shrub that's just coming completely out of the middle of the pathway. Yeah. And that's good. Yeah, that's right. And that is what's encouraged in a cottage garden. So before we move on to things like materials, anything else about layout that you particularly want to flag around this one? I think what we're seeing more so in the modern interpretation of the cottage garden is layouts that lead to features. So you a layout will have sort of a series of paths that lead to a little destination or a journey waypoint on the journey. And so that might be where a little sculpture goes. I was about to say a feature is a sculpture. Yeah, or even a little garden shed that's really cute. Yep. You know, done in rustic materials or a glass house done out of recycled glass windows and built in a rustic kind of way. Or a sundial. A obelisk. Star, obelisk. Love them. Those things Beautiful are very cottagey. urn that's got a lot of patina. That's yeah. right. Or maybe even a still water bowl of yes. some sort. Yes. Yeah. And, it, you know, I was, one of the other things I was just thinking about, a cottage garden is a very sensory garden too. So fragrance, as we were talking about earlier, but also that sense that there's lots of different textures and um, heights and... Um, I guess movement, exactly. I'm thinking mm. birds and bees, but also the swaying of, you know, quite fine foliage as yes. well is all part of how a cottage garden comes together. Yeah, yeah it very much is. Uh, we keep going back to plants because it very much is dominated by this sort of chaotic uh, spread of plants and, and not sophisticated varieties, just yeah, bog standard everyday ones. stuff. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So mm. do you want to talk about plants now? Because we're Maybe sort of... Maybe we should. Yeah. So plants are the, probably the, foundation the dominant of part yeah. of the whole cottage garden look. And this is where, you know, really it has to be... A successful cottage garden is a mix and a mass of everyday sort of plants that are pretty, flowering, very much flowering plants. It's all about the flowers, less so about the foliage. So that's where it's generally perennials because they will all die back in winter. And I think that the good thing for people like me who are slightly lazy gardeners is that because they're common plants, they're usually the easy to grow ones. (laughs) And they are easy to grow and lots of different types 
And as we were saying, they are chosen for their scent. And, you know, foliage is important, but it's not as important as flowers. But also there's often medicinal types of plants used in cottage gardens. And that, I think, harks back to the peasant foundations for these. Yeah, very much so. And some of those sort of um, medicinal plants, particularly the, the herbs, yeah. um, have the most beautiful flowers. They do. They're often small, though. They're not spectacular mm. flowers, mm. but they are massed flowers. They are massed, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm they, thinking of daisies in particular. Oh, okay. Yeah, for I was some thinking things like lemon v- verbena and I don't even know what the lemon verbena flower looks like. What's oh. the, all I know about lemon verbena is that it makes great tea. Yeah, the leaves are good. The leaves, <laughs> That's right, medicinal, yes. medicinal. And but think of all the sage family. You know, all mm. of your um, salvias. They're of all in the medicinal kind of range. They and, are and rosemaries and um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, all of um, that, all that, all that. So and I, what I like about it is self-seeders are a big feature. So, and I'm trying valiantly in my current garden to get more of the self-seeding um, to happen. Uh, and it's it, it can be challenging to get a mix because some things do better than others. But things like nigella, which looks a bit like a cornflower. Yeah, also known as love in the mist. Yes, love in the mist, mm-hmm. exactly. F- fantastic names, like forget-me-nots. That's another <laughs> yeah, that's one, right. you know. Um, the uh, poppies is another one that comes to my mind. Uh, and jonquils and the daffodils, all the bulbs. All the bulbs, yeah. That's right, beautiful. the narcissus and uh, all of those different types of bulbs are featured in a cottage garden. Yeah. Oh, your ranunculus. I love that. Oh, yes. yes. I've got this fantastic ranunculus that I bought at Woolworths. <laughs> <laughs> I'll fess up now for oh. peanuts because, you know, it was looking pretty average when I bought it. And it is just giving me the most amazing flowers year after year after year. It is white with pink rims and they're quite hard to find because I've looked for them online subsequently. Stunning. Absolutely stunning. That's a tip. Go and find yourself something <laughs> at Woolies. That's right. So um, what um, else so is there well, about this, gar- well, what plants? Say, yeah, just on plants. So yeah. when you think of a cottage planting Uh, combinations what do you think of in terms of plants yeah well I immediately think roses and I think climbing roses over things like trellises or arbors I probably then just think about the things that we've been talking about so the uh, lavender is another big one that comes to my mind um, but the love in the mist, the forget-me-nots, all of those perennials that The columbines, also known as aquilegias. Oh, aquilegias, also known yes. as granny Granny's bonnets. bonnets. These have fantastic yeah. names. They should be actually called, not cottage gardens, but gardens with random common names. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? They're probably random common names because they have been sort of peasant-like. Oh, yeah, they've evolved. Flowers. They've yes. just evolved and they've become – some people just don't know their um, the real names. Real names. They've they, they just become common names and – and I think of um, – because they're the, the ones we've mentioned there, like, particularly Nigella, the Aquilegia and some of the other ones. Forget-me-nots. Forget-me-nots, that's right. They're the ones that just – they're self-seed. They're actually – this is a, the interesting discussion about plants in a cottage garden. They're for the ones which have bully tendencies. Mm, they and, are and dominating. And they will dominate. And I, you know, I put a couple of Aquilegias in my cottage garden bed and i tell you the aquilegias are the things that have dominated so now taken over is that taken over taken over and so i think the the real challenge is if you want to get that cottage garden mix you have to selectively edit out those dominant plants and control them because you need space for your lupins and you need space for your delphiniums and your hollyhocks hollyhocks and foxgloves that's right and they're the kind of classics that sort of scream at you to say this is a cottage garden and they give you that beautiful height they do well. they do which gives you that interest rather than having just a, a sort of more flat looking meadow absolutely 
Any other mm. key plants that you would use in a cottage garden that we haven't talked about? Because I think the thing that that really struck me when I was thinking about cottage gardens is there's not a lot of evergreens. Yeah. There, it's re- it really is deciduous and obviously perennial plants. And the other thing that we were talking about before is that trees don't feature a lot. But if you did have trees, because you do want some structure in your garden, you probably want some of that, something that's there the whole time. The kinds of things that really fit for a cottage garden would be your crab apples. So beautiful spring flowering blossoms, the crab apples, the malus or the prunus, the plums uh, or the cherries. cherries. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And perhaps a weeping, you know, something rather uh, that might actually make a bit of a focal point that you were talking about before where you might have at the end of a little meandering path something to go and look at. Yes, yes. I think that's a really good point because if you do want to lift up your garden a bit, uh, I know a lot of cottage gardens. <laughs> As in like height-wise. Uh, height-wise, yeah, <laughs> and lift the standard. <laughs> height-wise, and that's why you see in a lot of cottage gardens they have a lot of the obelisks. Yes. Uh, which are a, the classic kind of… Describe what an obelisk is okay. for those people because it really is an arcane term. Okay, right. It's a really, really tall pointy pyramid like you take a pyramid you stretch it right up high and it's often made of wrought iron and what's the point of it well the point really is to support climbing plants so the point is to, so it had like, a use at some point yes it had a use it yes. had a point uh, but the <laughs> it wonderful did have a point at now, the top <laughs> it does have a point and they're quite ornate if you can you, know, you can buy them anywhere really um they're quite ornate and the, but the nice thing is that when the garden all dies down as well you've got this structure in the center of the garden that's nice to look at yes so that's that's one part of putting in structure but also going back on your point of of trees and, and having a bit of height in the garden um Sometimes the use of st- of ro- standard roses. Yes, of course. Because you can have all of this abundance underneath, but the rose itself is up high. And by a standard rose, we mean those roses that are usually grafted so that you have a single stem and then a very round mass of roses on top, like a lollipop. A lollipop effectively. Rose, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and mind you, they do need to be staked because they do do get top-heavy and fall over. (laughs) They do, and they also tend – they can grow if you're not in a good position. They'll sort of grow sideways or they'll go towards the light at least and that can be a bit interesting as well. Then you end up with a very random-looking rose. Yeah. But quite apart from that. So what other things would come to your mind for plants that would help with the structure in a cottage garden? Well, I think this is where the really interesting conversation is. What we've been talking about with plants has been very much the traditional interpretation of the cottage garden. But now when we look at um, how do you do cottage garden in a more contemporary way and how I'm seeing it done more so now, um, you know, in Australia but also in New Zealand, also in, in Britain and probably US and, you know, a lot of these places that have embraced the cottage style, uh, is about putting um, a neat edge around the border. So you are seeing a lot of a clipped little box hedge of some sort that gives a neat edge and then the spill and the flourish and the excitement of the cottage all happens behind that neat border. So it doesn't It's contained. Feel. It's a contained it's, cottage. It's a contained cottage. <laughs> it's because most of us kind of feel this need to oh, – we want a bit of chaos but you want it to be in its – boundaries. Yeah, that's right, exactly. <laughs> we'll have chaos, but we're going to limit you to that part of the garden. And it's interesting because it really almost, um, when I said earlier, they are an, a low effort garden in that you're not doing a lot of clipping and, you know, maintenance in terms of the shaping and the pruning. 
But when you introduce something like that in, you absolutely do, which changes the dynamic because it was interesting because I am doing this friend's garden. She's very cottage style, loves all of the perennial flowers. And then she was showing me photos where there were all these little, you know, highly clipped hedges. And I have to say, and I'm sure she won't mind me saying, but um, I just looked at her and I said, you won't be doing that. (laughs) (laughs) She is not in that category of person so it you really do need to think about whether if you're embracing cottage style is that kind of effort the thing that you want to do in that more contemporary style now might be a time to talk about the maintenance yes of a cottage garden we still want to talk about materials and that sort of thing but but i think maintenance we have to get on our horses Oh, there's a there's there, so much to talk about. There is so much to yeah. talk. We could talk about cottage gardens all day. We could talk It'd be about pretty boring for most people. Like, but <laughs> yeah, that's so maintenance because I think a lot of people say, "Oh, cottage gardens are really easy," and and yes, it can be very easy insofar as you can throw a bunch of seeds and see what happens. You can have this great display. However, it's the next year and the next year where if you don't look at what is just coming up naturally and manage that, then you're going to have just a monoculture. Or so that dominant plant effect that you were talking plant, about yeah. before, yeah. That's right. But even before that, cottage gardens, if you don't get the mix right, can look very much like a fantastic garden in spring, maybe into a bit of summer, and then it kind of looks like a perennial wasteland after that because you are using a lot of perennials, things that will come up and die. Yes. And we were talking before about I love bulbs and one of my early gardens I planted so many bulbs and, oh, my gosh, I was so over having these scrappy-looking dead bulb, you know, bits hanging around. Yeah, yeah, that's right, hanging around the garden. So I ended up, and I still do this, I've um, adopted this technique of braiding the old bulb (laughs) the old bulb leaves to try and tie them up in gardens because they just look so messy and they hang around forever. This is a a really good one because people say, oh, why don't you just cut them off? But Mm. why is that? Why don't you cut them off? Because your plant and your bulb is drawing all its energy from its uh, green parts so that next year it can put on that fantastic floral display again. So you don't want to cut it off. You want to leave it there until it's absolutely dry. And at the end of the day, it's good mulch too for your garden. Yeah. So plaiting your bulbs can be very therapeutic. <laughs> but what you do is, is get big chunks of foliage and do a big plait. Yeah, that's and, right. And, and sort of wind them up into nice little, um, I don't know, yeah, rather than having it just sticking straight up. Yeah, like, yeah. You t- coil them on themselves. Yeah. And the idea is you want you want all that um, foliage to see as much sun as possible so that energy can go back into the bulb. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. And, in fact, I've adopted also a French braiding technique around the edges of paths and things to try and tidy up oh, those I bulbs. Love it. I love it. There's it works structure. sometimes, yeah, but yeah. you do need bulbs that are in a reasonably well-spaced um, sort of row, yeah. uh, which doesn't so always if happen. So basically if you're a bit of a control freak, yeah, which is right. what we're both coming across as being, <laughs> bit OCD. then you can plait your bulbs. Yeah, if you've got that's that. right. So, so there's one maintenance tip. But another one is if you want a second flush of these flowers – which most of them will deliver, yep. you've got to get in when they start getting a bit ratty in summer, get in and Prune cut them all back and yeah. then you'll get another flush yeah, that's late true. summer, early autumn. But not bulbs so much. No, no, not bulbs. No. We're talking about things like your cat mint yep. um, and your, I guess, I don't know, does lavender have another flush? L- lavender can, but it's less likely. Yeah, salvias can. You need to pick the ones yeah. and you need to do a bit of reading and research because some of the, like if you cut nigella down, it's gone. Yes. It won't give you another flush either. Yeah. But some of the things actually, one of the things that, and it's a bit 
of a trade-off with some of these plants is they do look scrappy when they're finished flowering, particularly those things that come up um, as annuals. But some of them also have beautiful seed heads. Mm. So the nigella and the poppies, you can leave those seed heads on for a while. One, they'll spread their seed again. Um, but it also means that you've got a bit more of that structure for a bit longer in your garden until they start looking really manky and then they sort of fall over yeah. and things anyway. There are some plants that just look beautiful in their dying phases, which is just great. That's and, right. And we, and we want to um, we want to try and keep the garden interesting for as long as you can. So there's a real fad and shift now towards enjoying a late autumn garden which is basically a lot of plants in their death yes, um, states and, yeah, and some right. look great and are worth keeping on there so you've just got to be a bit discerning about what you want to keep and you've also you've got to shift your mindset from you know plants have to be green and beautiful to I'm looking at the structure and you know the dried deadheads and things like that which I have been brought up to as soon as there's a deadhead in the garden you snip it off because <laughs> <laughs> you want to encourage some more flowering so yes. it is something you've got to get used to so I think we need to go very quickly yes. to what materials do you use in a cottage garden yeah look this is uh, it's great because think think rustic think second hand Things that are a bit more chipped. Cheap. Yeah, chip, <laughs> cheap and chip. Go to the green shed or, you know, that's our kind of local big thrift store Recycler. where people recycle. Yeah, people just throw out old kind of building supplies and all sorts of things. And so the, the idea of getting cobbled bricks, cobblestones, uh, gravel, uh, they're the sort of materials you want for your surfaces. Even things like in Canberra, we had an old uh, brick factory in Canberra many, many years ago. So the Canberra red bricks are the things that are absolutely coveted for garden paving and are perfect for a cottage garden. Yeah, they're Canberra. made of clay, so they've got that kind of really redness about them. Yeah. Except they cost a bomb now because they they're, they're, so <laughs> they're so popular. <laughs> so popular. That's right. But the yeah. other things that um, I think are worth thinking about, so the old railway sleepers um, are very much a sort of cottage thing that you can use in a cottage garden. So that greying, silvery wood look. Yes. Um, but also mulch and wood chip as, you know, your pathways, gravel pathways, things that are not so formal and structured. All of those, and, and they're great for the Australian landscape, particularly wood chip and mulch, because they are water retaining and they're weed suppressing. Yes. So, which is two things that you can never stray yeah. too far from. Yeah. And yeah, I'm thinking um, some stone walls as well. Like, if you could, you yeah. even just like little low stone walls where you just sort of stack stone yourself, and then you can have um, things self seeding and flowing out of the stone. That's really pretty as well. Absolutely. Um, so, I think that's, yeah. yeah that's and another one I just thought of if, if you want to do this sort of control freak thing where you want to have a bit of a border that does, it isn't going to be a, a clipped um, evergreen hedge, is you could plant out an apple step over. So what is an apple step over as opposed to an apple turnover? <laughs> That's a very good question. Do you have it with cream not, or ice we're cream? Not, we're, not cooking, we're not cooking any pies here and there's no pastry involved. So an apple step over is a traditional kind of little boundary fence where you get really dwarf rooting stock apples and you put them at such an angle that they're really, really low lying and they're sort of almost espaliered as a little fence and you and it's called an apple step over because you can step over it into the co into the garden are they meant to bear fruit yes no way that's so the whole how point. high are we talking oh we're talking kind of 50 centimeters high right yeah and <laughs> so they're bizarre. really yeah, yeah and they're kind of threaded together so have a google that i'll put a picture on instagram as well great idea but that is that is something that's then l tending into the high maintenance space obviously yes. 
Mm. Yes, but also it's it goes back to the productive, productive element, element yeah. which is what the whole cottage garden is meant to be all about in the of first course. place. And think how well pollinated those apples would be. Oh, they would be superbly pollinated, absolutely. Yeah. So thinking just back on the sort of the materials and the things that you have in your garden, what else is there that really comes to mind? Yeah, so the accessories are really important. We touched a little briefly on accessories when we talk about materials, but one thing I want to really point out is uh, things like a rustic garden bench. And this is where you get secondhand kind of timber, paint it up put it and I've seen some beautiful examples where little bistro seating where you've got um, like a little metal bistro set or a old timber uh, outdoor bench and then painting it a beautiful color that reflects like a vibrant color yeah, yeah that reflects, reflects the garden. some of the some yeah. of the colors in the flowers so I've sort of periwinkle blue is a classic. And I was thinking exactly a periwinkle oh, blue. It's beautiful. Yeah. Or an aqua kind of blue as well, which yes. can really complement some other colours. sort of a, a cerisey pinky red. That can look gorgeous as well. And in fact, I'm going to put on a, I'm going to put a um, example on our on our Instagram that has the photos that complement our podcast recording. That sounds like a great idea. And uh, there's a particular garden I saw barewood in. Uh, it's an English country garden in New Zealand. Absolutely gorgeous. English country garden, New Zealand. That is. Yeah. It's got some work. Oh, the New I'm Zealand, sorry. New Zealand does do English country garden almost better than the English. Yeah, well, it's got to be a New Zealand country garden <laughs> if it's in New Zealand. There's a problem with the name. There's a problem with the name. I know it's funny, but it does it so well, and it has these pops of the same paint it's the the garden gate the little bistro setting the um you know part of the arbor there's this little pop of the same blue paint throughout the whole garden tying it all together and it gives it unity yes rather than just this sort of profusion of other sort of colors and chaos it gives the thing that gives it a sense of purpose and calm and unity and that and i think that's really important because that does bring that calm and balance in a garden even if you're trying to get that chaotic messy unbalanced look in your plants but um, I think we probably are at the point where we need to start wrapping ourselves up. What are the three takeaways for you for, you, for yeah. people who are looking to do a cottage garden or right. a cottage-like garden? Cottage-like garden, yeah. So I'd say the first one is get your layout right. So think about how the flow is going to work and you can do all that in winter. That's yes. great. Yep, so that's probably my number one. Number two, I'd say, is put some effort into selecting really second-hand, rustic, chisel, cobbled type of materials. Um, that's going to give it the character that you want. And then and the, make them look authentic, not fake Yes, old. yes. Because I have to say I struggle with fake old. Yes, yes. And the, There's plenty of old old in this world. And the best way to go get source things is secondhand market because you find old, old things that are actually old. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oh, yeah, that's always a good one. Uh, I mean, the third one is consider if it's a style that is right for you. And why do you say that? And I'm saying that because it isn't an all-season garden. Generally, a cottage style has its real punch, so spring, summer and a bit of autumn. But um, if if that's the garden that's going to make you happy and joyful, that's the garden for you. Otherwise, you know, some other ways that we can use the cottage style is you can put cottage style planting incorporated into a bigger garden where you do have elements of structure and unity and other things. And I think that's that is really important, particularly if you're, you know, slightly OCD like we've worked out that we are today, <laughs> and uh, you need that um, that order and some some more, you know, organisation. Apple turnovers. Yeah, and some apple turnovers. Exactly. <laughs> 
I think that's us for the week, Flo. Indeed. Look, it's been uh, it's been really fun talking about this topic and I look forward to having a r- another fabulous topic in two weeks' time. That's right. So don't forget to follow us on Spotify, find us on Instagram or Facebook and we'd love to hear your ideas and uh, some feedback on how we're doing and what you'd like to hear about. We'll talk to you again in a fortnight. Bye. Bye.